The Freightcast Network is brought to you by Descartes MacroPoint, the most reliable name in freight visibility. Instantly connect with the millions of carriers and drivers that trust MacroPoint to deliver best-in-class tracking data and carrier compliance. Visit MacroPoint.com today for more info. Welcome to the 3PL Summit. Today we are joined by Nick Strober, Director of Sales at Lean Solutions Group. Thank you so much for joining us today, Nick. Yeah, thank you, Mary. Excited to uh, have a good conversation with you. Uh, this is something that I have kind of featured a little bit uh, over in the check call community, the rise of nearshoring and specifically, you know, the rise of nearshoring in Latin America and Mexico. Uh, so I'm kind of excited because that's pretty much right in your guys' wheelhouse. Um, but before we get into that, let's get some background on you and kind of how you got started at Lean Solutions Group. Yeah, so I was actually one of the first employees that they hired here in the States. I came on board right after college, didn't really know much about near shoring, didn't know much about transportation logistics. I was actually getting my pilot's license. I didn't want to become an airline pilot. And so I actually met one of the, the co-founders of Lean Solutions on a family ski trip and we connected and, uh, and he offered me the, the opportunity right when I graduated from college and I was living up in Minnesota at the time. So I was like ready to, to get the heck out of there and get to somewhere warm. So I moved down to South Florida like six and a half years ago now. And uh, when I joined the company, we probably had 60 or 70 people in Barranquilla, Colombia at the time. And so now, you know, fast forward six, six and a half years, we've uh, we've grown tremendously and it's been an exciting road. So, But how has this trend towards nearshoring kind of impacted the 3PL industry specifically in the last few years? And kind of like what what challenges, if there have been any, um, have been presented to logistics providers? Yeah, so it's definitely been much more of a... Uh, hot topic, uh, definitely a big buzzword in the industry as of late, whether it's just manufacturing or just nearshoring, you know, talent. Uh, when I started six years ago, nobody really considered the concept. And so, you know, maybe some of the larger providers would do outsourcing in India or the Philippines, but nearshoring to Colombia or Mexico really just wasn't that common. And so over the last couple of years, whether it's from COVID or now, you know, this quote unquote recession coming down the horizon, more companies are just looking for ways to cut costs, boost EBITDA, and especially in an industry with such thin margins already, there's only so many ways to cut costs. And so obviously employment cost is up there. And when you're dealing with attrition and dealing with uh, you know difficulty finding good people that are excited about these entry-level roles, it just becomes a burden. And so being able to tap into a market of incredible college-educated people, fully bilingual, we pre-train them in logistics, it gives them an opportunity to leverage the incredible talent at a fraction of the cost and have them focus on, you know, what really matters in, in growing their their organization. So, I feel like that's oh, I was going to say, I feel like that's kind of um, I feel like a weird niche that you guys have where, you know, you could go to a temp agency and get someone that could come in and, you know, do track and trace, do some of these operations. But with a temp agency, you're not 100 percent sure that you're going to get someone that has a logistics background. So then you spend a couple of weeks training them on like this is this is what it means. And so you have to have that baseline thing. Whereas if they just came to you versus just a temp agency here in the States, you're like, nope, they're already up to speed. Just give them that, give them access and we'll let them go. Yeah. No, hundred percent. I mean, we, we put all of our employees to a two or three week course in transportation logistics. So they understand the basics of the industry. And then we really rely on our customers to come in and treat them just as a, a normal employee. So whatever training and whatever culture that they have here in the States, we want to emulate that down in, in Latin America. 
and make them feel like they're a part of the organization. So I have a ton of customers now. We have, we work with around 550 U.S. transportation logistics companies, ranging from you know very large to small, and they've all kind of grasped this concept of like, okay, I'm going to make this my own office. So if you walk in any of our facilities, you see you know our customers' logos outside the door, their company colors all throughout the office, employees wearing their T-shirts, and they really feel like you're walking into you know a Chicago brokerage or you know whatever it may be. So. It's definitely, we found a niche space that, that really worked and, and being that we were kind of the, but based on the fact that we were, we were kind of first to market, uh, we've been doing this for around 10 years now. So we've really found what works and what doesn't. And so it puts us in a, in a really good spot to uh, partner with all the top companies in the space and uh, goes to show the, the amount of employees that we have are right around 10,000 today. So pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, I think 10,000 is just, just a little bit more than that 50 to 60 that you guys started with. Um, I know that I worked at a company that uh, had some uh, that used utilized your guys' services. And uh, it was really nice because I literally like it was just like, you know, they were sitting in the office with me. They just happened to not be at our location. So it was like just talking to anyone at any branch. And I would just message them like, hey you know, like, can you check on this for me really quick or whatever I needed them to do? And it was like seamless. It was just like, I didn't know that they were even even in a different country. Uh, And so that was always really nice. They were also the nicest people. So you guys hire some very nice people. No, it's, it's true. I mean, the, the fact that you get somebody that's so passionate and just somebody that really wants to just perform well and and be a part of the team, it it goes a, a very long way. And so uh, it's great to hear that you've had actual experience working with some of the individuals down there. But everyone from you know the employees that we have working for our customers to our senior level management down there are just incredible people, and we wouldn't be able to have the ten thousand employees that we do today without without the team that we have. So definitely hats off to them. So I guess when it comes to we, you kind of touched on it a little bit. We there, it's no secret that there's a labor shortage here. It's hard to find qualified people, and if you find someone, you might have to train them on logistics, and that takes a lot of time. Needing into you know the productive things that they can do. Is this really a time where you know maybe it would be nice to look at some of those positions that you can outsource out and free up the people who are maybe currently doing those positions to move into other positions? Like, is this a good time to really take a look at your workforce and say, all right, well, what can I? I have the limited resources that I do have because there's not a lot of talented candidates in, a, in the applicant in the applicant pool. Um, is this really kind of a time to look at some of those and go, maybe I need to have some conversations with people and work on some career advancement to free up some of these positions so I can outsource them? Yeah, no, it definitely is. I mean, e- and even when we started years ago, that was that was always the concept. It was always to say, hey, look, you don't want your revenue producers focusing on non-rev functions. And so if you could have you could build a team of people that cared about those entry-level roles that could take off that workload from your revenue producer, not only are they going to be more successful, but you're going to have somebody that's going to be able to to be excited about the opportunity and get the work that needs to be done, done. And so, I mean, obviously with everything that's happened with COVID and now this, you know, recession, it's all, all eyes are on the bottom line right now. And so if you guys can find ways or if if companies can find ways to, to cut costs and, you know, allow their, revenue producers to be fo- focused on what they really want to be doing there's there's no better time than now to to look at you know our model and i know you know I, you go on linkedin everyone's talking about nearshoring right now so it's it's become super common companies are trying to do it themselves companies are are popping up kind of doing what we you know what we do and it's just it's it is what it is but it's definitely something that everyone should consider 
but then also, you know, when you do consider it, you want to find the right partner. You want to find a long-term partner that can really help you expand into these markets and, and find the right people without dealing with a lot of these issues that some of these newer companies are starting to deal with. Speaking of some of these outsourced positions, what are the most common positions or the most common tasks and roles that you guys, you know, find find people for? Yeah, so definitely the the tracking and tracing, the dispatching, the night and weekend coverage. Uh, we have a couple different divisions now. So we have an entire technology arm. We're providing back-end, front-end resources, um, programmers, help desk specialists, you name it. Um, but really like our, our main focus has always been in kind of those, those entry level roles, whether it's customer service or POV retrieval, ARAP. Uh, but then as, as time has gone on and, and our customers are able to work more and more with these individuals in Latin America, you start to realize that these people are studs down there. And so if you could have somebody that's, you know, promoted into a manager that's managing a team of 150 people or 200 people. There's no reason why you wouldn't do that. And same thing with, you know, different roles that we've started to, to fill, whether it's on the global forwarding side, like the, you know, ISF filing or import export documentation, or now, you know, with capacity being tight over the last couple of years, carrier sales has been a super, super popular role. So it's, it's definitely a, a mixture of, of positions, but it's always kind of going back to like what we were talking about earlier. It's finding those, those menial tasks that need to be completed but you don't want somebody here in the States doing, or if you do have somebody here in the States doing it, you know, you want to try to promote them or, or give them new opportunities to have somebody in Latin America handle kind of those, those back office functions. So what are some of the potential risks and challenges that come with having an office in um, Latin America or, you know, outside of their main offices? So like, is it just kind of the whole, oh, I wish they were here right now. So it makes it easier to train them or whatever. Like, what are some of those big challenges that, you know, start that we start with. So that was always like the biggest objection that we'd have is like, Hey, I want my people here in office. And then when COVID happened, people realized that, Hey, I can have people working from their house. I can have people work from different offices and you're, you're probably getting even better output out of those individuals. And so that's really been a big push for us because we've been saying, Hey, look, we've been setting up outside offices for our customers for years now. This is kind of a turnkey solution where you come in and build out this team and not be dealing with those same sort of issues. And so the the biggest issue that we run into is just not being prepared and not being ready to really like jump fully into this near shoring process. So like if you kind of, you know, half-ass it, let's just say, uh, excuse my language, but if you just half-ass this and just say, hey, you know, we're going to set this team up and then kind of forget about them it's not going to work to its full potential. If you treat this satellite office through Lean Solutions no differently than any of your other satellite offices that you have throughout the U.S., you're going to get incredible results. So you're going to find an, a manager down in, in Latin America that's going to be managing your team. You're going to build out that supervisor level, the you know the uh, team leaders and, and entry levels. So you build this hierarchy no differently than if you were to set a, a satellite office you know, in, in Miami, Florida. It's that same concept. And so um, we've been taking that approach. And I mean, every single week, every single day, we have customers that are flying to Colombia, flying to Guatemala, flying to Mexico, working with their, their team members and, and making them feel like a part of the organization. And that's how we've, we've been able to su- succeed and, and grow at such a rapid rate. Um, so that's, that's definitely been the, the main issue that we've run into is kind of getting customers that are, are kind of one foot in one foot out 
you know, they, they experience one issue and then they make it a huge deal bigger than it needs to be. And then it just kind of backfires. So as long as you get the full buy-in from the entire team and you say, Hey, we're going to make this work. Proof is in the pudding. I mean, we're, we're going to make this work as you know, much as we possibly can, but it's got to be from the customer side as well. I like that you kind of have to be all in because you can't really, you, I mean, even when you hire someone here in the U.S., you need to be all in on them. You can't be half in on them because then you're like, well, that didn't work out. And it's like, yeah, they didn't work out because like you didn't fully give them everything right. they needed to be successful. Um, so looking to the future, what would you like to see nearshoring specifically in regards to like staffing and, you know, not just manufacturing? What would you like to see this kind of this turn into in the next five years? I mean, we have some some rapid expansion plans. Like we want to get to twenty five thousand employees within the next five years, and so uh, we have plans on doing so. And I, I think it's you know finding out which other markets we could tap into. Like right now, we're obviously heavily entrenched in the transportation logistics space, but we want to take a you know deeper look into the entire supply chain. And so whether it's working with big shippers and doing you know appointment scheduling or working with you know, large retailers, I mean, you name it, we want to kind of tap into the entire sector within the supply chain. And I think that's what we're going to do. We still have, we still have a couple of companies out there that, that we're trying to land and then we're going to, we're going to do it over time. But, uh, we have some, some big plans of growth and, and, you know, we've built now a quite a large, large team here in the stage, which is exciting. And, um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see where it goes. I'm excited for it. Um, but so I have one last question for you today. If you could give one piece of advice to anyone that is either looking into nearshoring operations or, you know, maybe they're just getting started into it or it's something that's tinkling in the back of their mind. What's your one piece of advice to give someone? One piece of advice would be if, if you're considering this option, look at the partners out there and make sure that you you really go and, and do your due diligence with those partners that you're looking to take that next plunge into. I know there's a lot of companies, even outside of transportation logistics that can offer these services, whether it's a, a massive, you know, teleperformance or a Lorica or, you know, obviously the, some of the competitors that we have, but make sure you do your due diligence, see if they're ISO 9001 certified, see if they have their, um, their, you know, lean six Sigma yellow belt and, and black belt team, like make sure that you have the right partner that you do this with, because it does take a lot of time. It does take energy. It does take resources. And and you don't want to be a year in and wishing that you went with, you know, somebody that's been doing this for, for the last 10 years. So definitely just doing your due diligence and picking the right provider is, is key. So it's probably the best advice I got. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, stay tuned to the rest of the summit. We've got some amazing content.